0: Welcome to the African Intel Affairs podcast series. Abiola, thank you so much for making the time to have this conversation with us. And uh, without further ado, I would like to ask um, why you think it is that there is an increase in kidnappings, especially since as we... Um, take a look at the security situation in Nigeria. We understand there's, a diff- there's, there's quite a number of different hotspots for different kinds of insecurity. Uh, but one thing that we've noticed is that there is uh, there's an increase in kidnapping for ransom. Um, it's been a while since the Bring Back Our Girls deb- debacle, and we thought that it would only be once, but we're seeing that it seems to have encouraged. Um, more of a spur of these kinds of incidences and they've been on the rise despite uh, the government and many other security actors trying to uh, push back on this.
1: Okay, Um, thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to be on your program. Um, I really do appreciate and I'm honored to say, yeah, um, when you look at um, the recent increase the surge in the cases of kidnappings in Nigeria. Um, I think there's actually a shift from what we used to know about kidnappings in Nigeria because um, as at 2006 when we had the Niger Delta militancy, it was basically um, kidnap um, of kidnappings um, around the Niger Delta region where uh, militants actually kidnapped high-profile individuals. But recently what we've had in Nigeria, we've had the kidnap of school students. And the reason being that school students are easy targets. And then um, we also need to look at the geography of the Northern region, which is the low cost of the activities of um, the bandits. So when you compare what we experienced in 2006, early 2000, um, with what we currently have, then you understand that we are actually seeing um, a likely um, a, a likely inception of another terror group. Because when Bukaram started in um, 2002, um, 2003, and then um, when we had the Bukaram uprising, we realized that um, the economy of Bukaram was primarily based on or ransom. So I actually believe that the sword in the cases of kidnappings in Nigeria can be linked with um the splintering of Boko and then it could also be linked with um the poverty situation in um the northern part of Nigeria basically the social economic conditions recently um, one of the um kidnappers that was apprehended confessed to the police that because of um lack of opportunities that was why it actually resolved into um he resorted into um for ransom and now we are seeing that ransom, kidnap for ransom, has become very, very lucrative because when you kidnap school kids, it raises um, a kind of emotions among the general populace, and then it even draws um, international media attention because they believe that children are actually vulnerable and then they should be regarded as such. We saw what happened in Zimbabwe in 2014 when um, 276 um, school girls were actually abducted. We saw how um, it went viral, even drawing attention from Michelle Obama, drawing attention from different um, persons around the world. So that is the reason why we are having a surge in cases of kidnapping. And um, I would like to note that what we are experiencing in Nigeria right now is an advanced kidnapping, because we may actually believe that we may actually think um, the um, kidnappers, the bandits, they are um, less educated. But what I strongly believe is that this set of individuals, they have sophisticated knowledge. They are masterminders, like they are very, very good strategists because they understand that by the time they kidnap kids in school and then the government failed to respond, the government in Nigeria is already losing losing its legitimacy. So if the government fails to actually respond quickly if they um, feel to probably pay ransom, then they are going to lose more of their legitimacy. Kaduna State is one of the cores of um, uh, of kidnapping in Nigeria, and then the government has uh, has lost its legi- legitimacy. Basically, that's what I would say, because um, the gov um, the governor, um, that's, um came out recently to actually um, make a statement that. It doesn't support ransom, payment of ransom, and that anybody that is caught paying ransom would actually be dealt with. This bold statement means that the government doesn't have any kind of um any kind of measures in place to actually contain or um defeat this. Um, threat that we call a pandemic because it has actually become a pandemic in Nigeria. So if we are looking at it, there's proliferation of kidnapping in Nigeria and it's because this business has become very, very lucrative. And um, one more thing I would like to mention is the complicity. There's a kind of complicity between, let me say, um, I I wouldn't want um, to to, to say this, but um, let me just say that there's a complicity between um, um with the um government security forces in 2019 a top kidnapper was arrested by um his name is wadume when wadume was arrested it was it was based on intelligence that he was actually um apprehended and when he was arrested he was supposed to be transferred by the police because they were on um on a very on a covert operation they were not wearing their normal uniform so when they were passing through the highway they were stopped by um the military at the checkpoint, even though uh, the police identified themselves by showing their ID card, the military guys that had been probably pre-informed about um, their um, passage through the checkpoint, shot dead these police officers and then they freed this kidnap kingpin. So this um, kind of um, egregious scenarios brings to mind that probably there's a kind of complicity, maybe. Some persons at the, um, at, the, at, at, at the end of affairs, probably, or um, people, government officials, or even security operatives, like top security operatives, are actually um, stakeholders in this kidnap business. That's my own personal opinion. And um, I'm subjected to my own personal opinion. So, what we are having in Nigeria now is not just um, the kidnap business that we used to know now we are seeing rise in abduction of school children and it is because of the vulnerability when you go to most schools in the northern part of nigeria they are exposed they are susceptible to violent attacks you go there and then you see that there's no um additional security layers to keep these children protected and by the time they are being kidnapped there's no way the government would want to pay ransom so I believe that um, these um, perpetrators of these in your, in your crimes, they are actually strategists. That's just it. So, um kidnapping so, business is impaired by the socio economic conditions in Nigeria, and then the geography of the low cost of these activities. Um, to actually highlight another point, in um, early 2021, some set of um, school students were kidnapped in um, in, um, in in Kaduna State, and where they were kidnapped, they were kidnapped in Afaka. Afaka is the same um, area where the National um, Nigerian Defence Academy is located. If twenty-seven students were kidnapped in Afaka, and it took the Nigerian um, military it took them one hour to actually respond proactively to um, that distress call, then that, that, that brings a question about the willingness of the government, not um, excluding government security agencies, uh, um, to um, actually deter, de- defeat and detect this, um, uh, um, this ongoing threat. So that's my personal opinion about um, kidnappings in Nigeria. We are not, we are seeing, um, we are seeing evolution of kidnapping in Nigeria. And as a matter of fact, I am prognosticating that in the next two to three years, it is possible that we see an emergence of another terror group, because this was how Boko Haram started. It started with kidnap, um, kidnap for ransom, then they moved to um, kidnapping um, high profile individuals, then they moved to suicide bombing, because um, it was Boko Haram that actually um, brought about um, the whole idea of suicide bombing in Nigeria. So I am actually predicting that in the coming years, we could actually see a rise of a terror group. So that's it, thank you.
0: Okay, so, you know, you've made a mention of a lot of things which raise a lot of questions. And the first aspect that I realized was that you referred to the fact that in the in the example that you gave with the police, and the military and so on and so forth that uh, the police were operating on some form of intelligence and they were they and that's what made them uh, do a, a sort of covert sting operation but then you also yeah, yeah, mentioned sure. mentioned the complicity of 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 security forces in in some of this but and also you make reference to the whole kidnapping as a kidnapping business so I have, I have a couple of things that um, I would like us to reflect on, and one of those is that um, if, as if as you say with this uh, very alarming story, uh, these 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 police were carrying out an operation. Um, okay. The first thing that a lot of people from the outside looking in start to ask is that many reports speak of. Nigeria's security forces not being up to the task, but you pointed to an incidence in which they've successfully executed an operation, but it was halted. So uh, would you say that um, uh, 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 most of the security forces at play are operating uh, through v- various different channels that don't become interoperable and sort of one sort of uh, united institution? To this, uh, um, to this anomaly, which you've just pointed in, because to what extent could intelligence be compromised between each institution? Because in this scenario, the military seems to know a little bit more than the police who were undergoing an operation and they were immediately cut off from uh, fulfilling their task.
1: Okay, um, even with the war, the long war against um, terror in Nigeria, like um, against um, terrorism in Nigeria, one issue that the Nigerian um, military has always had is um, about um, intelligence gathering. And then, apart from the intelligence gathering, it's uh, it is complicated with um, the issue of lack of inter uh, interagency alliance. because. By the time the military, they were actually not um, trained for, um, for 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 um, fight against terrorism because prior to um, prior to the inception of Boko Haram, what we used to have was the Nigerian military engagement in state to state warfare, but it was as a result of um, the Boko Haram that they became more involved in um, in internal affairs. So. With the all kidnapped um, issues in Nigeria, it has actually um, brought into limelight the um, lack of interagency synergy in the um, Nigerian um, Nigeria security architecture. And um, with the case that I mentioned, it was obvious that there was nothing like intelligence sharing amongst um, the um, security forces in Nigeria. Because you would have expected that if there was actually clear um, level of intelligence sharing um the head of the operation would definitely have notified um the military or probably they could have shared intelligence that okay we are embarking on a covert operation and this is a person that we've been trailing for the past month and then with that it would have made work easier for them like what we um when um the mission was for The the kidnap um, kingpin was released, was um, freed by the um, military. And with that, the man actually returned to his base. If not because that um, the issue generated a lot of controversy and a media outcry, we wouldn't have actually um, underscored this issue. So Nigeria um, um, security forces, they've always had this issue of intelligence. Sometimes intelligence are gathered and then um, maybe deliberately or um, unintentionally, they just let the intelligence, they just um, ignore the intelligence. When um, Boko Haram uprising was was going to start in July 2009, a military officer had um, pre-informed the uh, military about um, the possibility of an uprising, Um, an imam, an, an Islamic cleric had also warned the um military about an impending attack because Haram was actually building up they were looking for the opportunity to launch an attack and the um the security operatives they provided them with the opportunity so the issue that nigeria has always had but i wouldn't say nigeria because um even with the um mumbai attack in um, india they were also supplied with intelligence most of the um, terror attacks, most of the um, operations that led to, um, um, to different casualties, it was obvious that most of these attacks um, were as a result of um, probably intelligence being, be, be, being ignored, kind of. So that's just it. And Nigerian government must really, really, really up their game in the fight against um, the banditry by making sure that they improve on intelligence gathering and intelligence sharing. And that would mean bringing every um, stakeholders on board. That is what we have with the uh, um, um, recent developments with counterterrorism in Nigeria. They are trying to bring every concerned agency on board. The Nigerian police force, um, the DSS, which is um, the primary agency um, Saddle with the responsibility of intelligence gathering in Nigeria, and then they're trying to bring the Ni- National Intelligence Agency. They're trying to bring um, NSCDC that the Nigerian Civil Defence Corps. They're trying to bring everybody on board so that intelligence can flow smoothly, can be gathered without um any a, any kind of jaundice. They're trying to um, share intelligence because without collaboration, without um, um a, a reasonable and reliable um, collaborative effort, we can. Expect that this banditry, this um, recent surge in um, cases of kidnap would be prolonged, just like we have it with the um, Boko terrorism.
0: Okay. So uh, another thing that we we need to have the opportunity to reflect on is this issue of how to deal with ransom, because as you said, that this is emerging to be a kidnapping business and uh, a, a the implicity of other actors and you describing it as something very, very sophisticated in, in terms of operation execution, you know, um, it, it sounds like, uh, it sounds like there's a confluence with larger criminal networks, uh, which may be related to a certain extent of the infestation of corruption. But, um, I know that in, in other professional circles, one, one view that you're pretty infamous for is, is saying that ransom should not be paid. And some people seem to think that that is a callous position to take or maybe too rigid to take when you have to consider life. So this is your opportunity to affirm why it is you believe ransom should not be paid under any circumstances, despite the dilemmas.
1: Um, you know, this question is actually a, a, a very um, provocative one, and then it divides opinion largely. But um, ransom payment of ransom is like um, is like um, is is a, is a very tricky one because if you continue to pay ransom, that means you are actually incentivizing these kidnappers. They need resources to expand their business and then if you fail to pay ransom that means you might actually leave them with no choice than to probably um execute their target. that their target. so that is actually a very tricky one and um though the Cardona State Governor like I said when we started this um conversation the Cardona State Governor came out boldly and even um affirmed that even if his own child was kidnapped, the payment of ransom shouldn't even be an option. Um the president also, President Buhari, also came out recently to actually criticize um governors they were um they they, they were that were actually um in the habit of paying ransom probably um trying to negotiate amnesty amnesty deal for kidnappers but the truth of the matter is that let's draw inference from what happened recently um, at um, Cardinal State. Some students of um Greenspring University, they were actually abducted by suspected gunmen. And when they were abducted, they demanded for ransom and then they gave a deadline for the payment of the ransom. What happened was that the delay in the payment of the ransom resulted into something, something very significant, something that drew um, media outcry something that touched many people's emotions they killed two students out of the students that were abducted and after killing these two students and then they still felt they were not getting any kind of um, um quick response they killed another student so event like this puts one in a very difficult situation to actually um to come um, to actually acquiesce to um maybe um Payment of ransom is the way forward, or um, recommending another viable um, solution to this um, emerging threat. Personally, I would suggest that ransom payment be, um, be 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 abolished totally, because by payment of ransom you are strengthening the capacity. You are, this, um, the, 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 um, you are strengthening the the you are strengthening the financial capability of this um, of this bandit to actually go on with their heinous um, crimes. So, alternatively, what should be recommended? That is the major concern right now. And from there, I would still go back to what we discussed earlier, and I'm still going to maintain my stance. I believe there are there's complicity and when this is not addressed there's no way forward most of the ransoms that have been paid they were paid into certain bank accounts if these accounts are untraceable then i wonder what i wonder the kind of capacity the financial institutions in nigeria i wonder the kind of financial and um, the kind of capacities they have I was um, speaking with um, a United Nations officer and then we were talking about um, the um, um, tracing the financiers of Boko Haram and then she told me that um, getting the primary financiers of Boko Haram would be a difficult one because by the time you try to um, go through the whole legal process, that is going to take time and then it's quite complicated. And that is because the financiers of Boko Haram, they don't reside in Nigeria. So by the time you start going through the um, old um, paperwork and all, then everything gets complicated. But that is actually a vast to what we have been here in Nigeria with kidna- um, kidnappers, because this set of individuals, they reside in Nigeria. They have an account, a, a bank um, account details registered in Nigeria. So why can't we have a collaborative effort between um, the financial institutions the judiciary and then um government security forces so that by the time um by the time um bandits realize that this um modus operandi of ours has been um has been subverted by the government then they would actually um probably uh try to be creative about it and that's where uh, a resilient military resilient security um apparatus will come in place so until nigerian government is ready that's where the um, the, the the issue of political weight comes in but it, it is when they are ready to actually fight this um banditry that is when we can now start looking at viable means because there are actually viable um options on the ground that can be adopted to Part to um to combat this um, this um, menace. So that's just it. But the payment of ransom is only going to expand. Is only going to proliferate this threat. They need um, resources to acquire more weapons. When they acquire more weapons, they abduct more persons, and with that, you see. Um, uh, you see an indescribable, you see an um, uh, uh, you see an ineffable expansion of this network. Before you know it, right now we are talking about the northwest um, region, that is um, Zamfara. We're talking about Kaduna. We are talking about Katsina, in other parts of the country. We we we, we there's no um, experience no in the um, cases of kidnapping. But by the time they continue to pay ransom, these individuals would expand their network to every part of the country and if the government is not careful we could actually see a rise of terror group like i said so ransom payment is not is counterproductive it is a barren approach to actually um, end banditry we have to take an holistic approach we have to address this issue from the root source of it deal with social um, economic conditions, deal with marginalization, border porosity is there that we are facing. About 500 and, um, 500 and over 500 areas in Nigeria have are borders that are porous, that are not even manned by security operatives. And with that, you can see um, uh, unrestricted movement of small arms and light weapons. In West Africa, West Africa has the highest number of Small, arm, um, small arms, light weapons being um, imported into the country. So there are more pressing issues that we should deal with. But at the moment, what I would suggest is that the financial institutions they come on board, um, the Ministry of Justice they come on board, and then other NGOs they come on board. Let me um, let me um, digress a little bit. There was um, a time that I was working on um, on a criminal case with someone. And then um, an armed robbery was actually uh, an, an armed robbery happened, and then the individual that was involved, the um, the made the loan actor that was involved actually transferred money from the um, from the victim's account to another person's account. So what I did then was that I actually um, went to the police station to report the case because I was actually concerned so when i reported the case the police um officer asked me to go to the bank so we could get the bank details of the uh, of the person the, the, the perpetrator when we go to the bank the bank requested um a court injunction because they wouldn't want to disclose the um pers- the personal information of the supposed um customer To get a court injunction in Nigeria, we've been on this issue since uh, um, January and we are still on it till now. The fact that when you even lodge complaints at the police station here in Nigeria, it may take you months, even years. And when you go to the police station, they want something in return. For them to expedite action on the case you are bringing to them, you have to pay them. By the time you pass through this kind of sweaty process, you even want to give up trying to probably get justice. And where there is no justice, that is when you see um, a kind of, uh, that's when crimes grow. A country where there's laxity in the criminal justice system, go to that kind of country, you see various crimes grow in that kind of country. So Nigeria has to address pressing issues. Those are the pressing issues that these bandits, these kidnappers have taken advantage of. Laxity in the criminal justice system is one of them. She showed economic conditions, one of them. Um, then you look at marginalization, one of them. Then you look at the response, the nonchalance attitude of the government. Like, the, 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 um, I don't want to say that they are um, less concerned, but the truth is that they are actually nonchalant to this their responses so far have suggested that they do not really care. It is when there's media outcry, there's an international um, uh, international um, response something, that is when they try to uh, um, come up with different measures as just um show face um, response. So when these issues can be addressed then we are good to go with the war against Banditry, because right now, just like war on terror, there's a war against banditry, and then who is um, the victor in this war? I do not know for now, because as of now, the bandits are on the verge of winning. If quick response do not come in, Andy.
0: Okay, alright, Aviola, this conversation is yet to continue.